time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Did you know that you have some untapped strength, some stuff that you don't even know about that in actuality, you're a vulnerability warrior because it's the vulnerability that gets you to a different place. Well, today we're going to talk about that. My guest today is Angela Stilwell, and she's the founder of Untapped Strengths. This is where she helps businesses and professionals create deeper connections through the impact of their bottom lines and overall success and their vulnerability. She is also the creator of The Vulnerability Warrior, an online program for people going through major transitions, and they are trying to seek a higher level of personal success. For the last three decades, since completing her MBA, Angela has been working with businesses and sales, marketing, and business development from startups to large corporations and organizations. As a business advisor, a coach, speaker, and workshop leader, she has helped executives shift into new careers, sales teams increase their sales, and businesses to grow to six and seven figures plus. In addition to that, she has worked with individuals to help them move to that new place in their own life and their new awareness of their hidden strengths. She lives in Georgia with her Great Dane, her horse, her barn cat, and can frequently be found on the tennis court on, and this is my favorite, her paddleboard, trying new foods and laughing with friends and family or traveling. So now, welcome Angela Stilwell. Angela, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk with you because we met at a conference and uh, realized that we had a lot of commonalities in how we approach this. And so I'm really excited for you to offer some thoughts about how to really get past that plateau point. And as I talk about being stuck, you get unstuck and how to get unstuck. And um, that's part of what you uh, talk about. So let's talk about that. But first, let's talk about how you got to here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Lee, for having me here today. This is, you know, when you and I first met, I just knew there were so many synchronicities that we had. And, you know, getting to here has been one step at a time. People love to say when they hear my story, and you're such a survivor. And that's almost an insult to me because I am not a survivor. I am a thriver. And that is what I want everyone to be. I want everyone to step into that thrive mode. So what does that thrive mode look like? First of all, let's talk about how, why people would say, oh, you're such a survivor and how that differentiates. What, what's kind of your story that got you to that point? And then I want to talk some about what a thriver is. Yeah, absolutely. So I had one of those childhoods that people love to label as dysfunctional. And, you know, people say, oh, you put the fun in dysfunctional. My, my family put the dis, the fun, and the unctional in dysfunctional <laughs> between, you know, the, the divorces and the affairs. And then there was, you know, other marriages. And then there was abuse. And then... um a tragic loss of my mom and then getting into my adulthood and realizing that I had all of these walls put up, but not realizing that until after going through a divorce myself after being married for 20 years. Um, you know, it, you get through all of those things and most people think, ah, oh, you've survived all of that. And no, absolutely not. I did not survive it. I thrived through it. 
And at the time when I was going through so much of it, I didn't realize that I was thriving, but I had this, this desire to, to not relive and not continue, you know, the things that, you know, they, they say the sins of our fathers, we live the sins of our fathers. And I was not about that. I, I can remember at the age of five years old, hearing my parents have an argument on the phone. And I turned around and walked back to my room and thought, I will not live like that. So even as a kid, I was I was bound and determined to not do that survival thing. It was about thriving. There is a resilience piece that's already there. Uh, clearly, um, you know, I, I remember talking with somebody and we were talking about the family tree, you know, kind of trying to draw out the family tree. And they looked at me and said, I don't have a tree. I got a shrub. <laughs> it's got a lot, <laughs> a lot more mess than a tree would have. So um, the family shrub sometimes has lots of different branches off to it and uh, different ways it's put together. So that resilience piece um, is what pulled you through. Uh, a lot of, a mm-hmm. lot of times people um, struggle to have even that piece, that they're aware that there's something, some other way of being, some something different, and that's where they get stuck. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, what? Tell just a little bit, describe what you mean by thriving. Yeah, it's about, you know, really having a passion for life. So many people day to day, they get up, they brush their teeth, they drink their cup of coffee, jump in the car, drive to the office, come home, sit down on the couch, watch TV, go to sleep and do it all over again. Whether they have a family or they're single, whatever their, you know, life looks like, they just have this routine over and over and over and they don't see themselves as serving anyone. They don't see themselves as having a real purpose in life and they're just they're just, you know, day to day getting through and thriving is about having this passion to, to serve others and to help others become all that this joy filled life. Because, you know, even today it's storming outside, but I opened the door and I was like, oh my gosh, the birds sound so awesome outside today. And so few people notice those little things, right? It's it's the little bitty things and getting someone who's got this grumpy look on their face to smile just because you smile at them, you know, walking in and out of the, you know, grocery store or the Target or whatever. It's those little things in life that that make such a difference in having that thrive life. Um, you know, being healthy, people just eat whatever's in front of them and you know, it not even understanding that they're fueling their lives, um, moving their bodies, thinking about how their relationships are affected by all of that. There's there's just a completely different level when you're living that thrive life that has so much more energy to it. So let me see if I can tease out a few of the things you put in there because I, mm-hmm. um, I want to check them out with you. One is uh, perspective. You, you noted mm-hmm. that having a different perspective, uh, being able to see, for instance, in, in the midst of a storm and a perspective of there's something else there's there's some beauty in that. Yeah. My my grandmother was probably one of the most thriving people I ever knew. And I remember when I was a kid, there was this huge thunderstorm came coming through. And I said, Grandma, is, is that a storm? And she said, oh, honey, yes, it's so beautiful. Let's go watch it. Mm-hmm. I was going, oh, that's scary. She was going, oh, that's cool. Let's go look at it. So perspective is one of the things you talked about. Mm-hmm. 
Awareness is another. Uh, and I heard awareness on a couple of different levels. Uh, so perspective requires an awareness of looking for those things. But you also talked about, for instance, uh, how you care for yourself, how you um, nurture yourself through, through food, food exercise. I think one of the things that often happens is we're not aware of even what junk we're putting in and how we're neglecting our body. And so one piece of that is being aware of that piece. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. And, and I talked about food and exercise, but it's so much more than that. It's, you know, we, I mentioned, you know, people come home and they sit down on the couch and turn on the TV. It's what you put in your mind. It's, you know, the people that you surround yourself with, it's all of those things. You know, we absorb all of that energy. And part of the reason some of us uh, have cut off that awareness is your your case, you know, they come from a difficult background. And if you're mm-hmm. in that kind of assault on your senses, sometimes the easiest thing to do is to stop being aware, stop noticing, stop being alarmed by what's going on. Uh, and so part of what this process is for you was coming, becoming more aware, becoming aware again. Yes. And, I, you know, that that's a great point, Lee, because I have had a lot of friends and clients who have been special forces guys, and they are trained to have this ultra awareness. And I net, it took a while for me to understand why I related so well to them. And it's because as a kid, in order to survive, I had to have that ultra awareness. Like my hearing is incredible. My vision has always been incredible. My sense of smell has always been incredible. All of my senses have always been super heightened. So I've always been really aware. And there were times when I had to dull them because it was it was like overwhelm. You know, I, I could walk. I'm not a person who can spend a lot of time in Vegas inside the casinos because all of that ding, 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 all that kind of stuff. Just I'm like, oh, I mean, even getting off the plane in Vegas, you're just kind of all of that just hits you right away. Right. And, you know, so when you, when you live life like that, you have to figure out ways to, to protect yourself, but also allow for the goodness to come in. And if you put up barriers around yourself in all of those areas, then you're not only keeping out the bad, you're also keeping out the things that are really good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point you you make because um, there is a hyper awareness to keep yourself safe. At the same Mm -hmm. time, you have to cut off awareness of what's really going on. The you know special forces hyper aware of the threats, Mm -hmm. not so aware of what they're having to do is you know how it might impact them as humans. And Mm -hmm. that's an interesting thing. The same in a a, um, unsafe childhood. Mm-hmm. You have to be aware because you want to avoid the pitfalls. And at the same time, you kind of have to not notice all of the stress of that and all of the uh, scariness of that. Absolutely. Very interesting. Okay. Um, I also pulled out the fact that um, there is a link to service for thriving. Mm-hmm. And so talk some about um, when you say uh, serving anyone, what does that look like for um Somebody who's not a politician or not, you know, something like that, not in a helping profession or something like that. What would service look like? Yeah. You know, today there's so much in the headlines about suicide and depression and people really living these very melancholy lives. And 
one of the easiest ways to pull ourselves out of that is to serve others, you know, go volunteer at, you know, the Humane Society or go serve in a soup kitchen or go visit at a nursing home. And you don't even have to do that. I mean, it's things like just opening the door for people or you're in line at Starbucks and you buy the person behind you a coffee or you see a mom who's struggling with her toddler's and one sitting in the seat in the grocery store and helping her do what she needs to do to get her groceries in the car. You know, it, it's just being aware of even just the little things that you can do to serve others. And that opens up so much within your heart and again with your energy. It 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 exponentially expands your impact in the world. And that always comes back to you. In so many ways. So if there are these two pieces that can feel opposite, but really aren't of how you take care of yourself, how you feed yourself, um, how you exercise, how you get rest. So that's me focused. Mm -hmm. But then there is the piece of how do I um, how do I reach beyond myself? How do I reach towards other people with compassion, with empathy, with help um, that can feel very opposite? But um, in many ways, um what I've noticed is that when people get so self-focused, they also don't do good self-care, ironically enough. Mm -hmm. So you're pointing to those two pieces as, as being healthy ends of it um, mm -hmm. and, and how that clicks into even daily life, even the moments of the daily life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how does that feed into purpose? Because that's the other piece I noticed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we all have a purpose and, a huge part of our purpose is actually the journey we're on. You know, everybody thinks that it's this end game. My purpose is some end game. No, your purpose is every day. Every step you take, everything that you do is part of your purpose. Everything that you have lived in the past and everything that you're going to live in your future is part of your purpose. Mm -hmm. And when you add that awareness to it, it, it gives so much more fulfillment to that purpose in your life. You know, people think, you know, why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, it's, we're not going to get the answers to a lot of those questions on this side of life, right? Um, however, there are things that we can, you know, garner from those those things that happen in life, those instances that, and when I say instances, sometimes it may be years of grieving or whatever, but, but there are so many things that we can, we can glean from that where we can then reach back and help someone who is a couple of steps behind us. You know, maybe, maybe you've had a major loss in your life. Okay. Take care of yourself while you're doing your grieving process. And, is there someone who's a few days or a few weeks or a few years behind you that you can reach back and pull them and say, you know, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. You can't say anything to make them feel better, but you can be there for them. You can do things for them. And, you know, in the business that we're in, you know, we can set the example by coaching or training or speaking or writing. But even if you're not doing those things, you can still be a person in your community that is there for others. 
That's great. Uh, and so if I use, you talked about the journey, I, I, I often use that as a metaphor. And if I, I use that in what you just said, let's say I decided to take a trip across the country. And so I could lose, I could believe that my purpose is getting to that spot. Mm-hmm. Or I can think about the fact that every step along the way is a part of that. That's, that's the journey piece that, um, and sometimes it may be the car breaks down. And that's still Absolutely. part of the journey. Or maybe at some point we have to take a detour and that's still part of the journey. And it isn't apart from that purpose because the purpose is the process of getting, uh, getting through that. Uh, that's just a destination, not the real purpose. The purpose is in the daily. Is that fair? Absolutely. Okay. Super. Okay. So you and I had a little conversation about the fact that there are three steps to this thriving piece. Mm-hmm. I would love it if we could get through these because uh, they uh, echo some things that um, I agree with for sure. And so let's talk about this. What are those three steps? Let's just go through them one at a time. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I have this quote on my website that says, leadership is not about leading people. It's about influencing them. And in order to influence them, you have to connect with them. So the first step is that connection aspect. How do you connect with people? with people because in order to influence anyone whether you're in a you know traditional role of leadership or just your day-to-day you know parental role or you know leading your home or whatever you have to be able to connect with the people that are in your realm mm-hmm. right and the way that you connect with them is step 2 you have to be willing to connect that's step 1 but the way that you do that is to embrace your perfect imperfection that's step 2 because none of us are perfect. We all love to like put up this facade of being perfect, but there is nobody, <laughs> you know, on this earth that is perfect. And so it's it's learning to peel off those masks of perfection and they look different in, you know, various aspects of our lives. And you know, it it's it's that's where you start getting into that vulnerability aspect. And then the third piece is, I call it resurrection. So there's the first one is connection. The second is perfect imperfection. And the third is resurrection. Going back and looking at the stories of your life that in many cases, we don't want to tell those things. You know, we want to like the story of my mom's death. That's a very difficult story to tell. And if all you're going to do is tell that story, then that's not helpful. But what are the what are the lessons learned in that story? So resurrecting the stories themselves, but then also tying what are what are the learning points from those things that happened? And when you when you can do that and then you start sharing those stories and your imperfections, you build that deeper connection and you allow the people in your life, again, from a personal standpoint or a professional standpoint, you allow those people to also show up as their imperfect and perfectly imperfect selves. And relationships and connections become that much deeper and more meaningful. And yes, it, it, it adds to that thriving environment. 
of your life. So let's pick these apart one at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Connection. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I think we both are in agreement that we humans are social creatures and have to have that social piece. And that's why that mm-hmm. connection is so important. But you're taking it one step beyond that. You're trying uh, the connection is in the process of getting somewhere. And we tie that back to that purpose and service. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is um, there are some that will go, OK, so you're giving me a formula for um, getting people to do what I want. Yeah. And that's a little bit different than what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Talk some about the genuineness of that connection and what you're really trying to aim for. Yeah. It's so funny that you said that because one of the things, whenever I'm teaching a class, I always say, okay, I'm going to give you a formula and it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. Mm Mm-hmm. We're not going with the evil. And if I find you doing evil with it, I'm going to hunt you down (laughs) because, you know, it's, it's like anything in life. There's, there's the dark side and the bright side of it. And, and pretty much anything can be used for manipulation, but manipulation is not a bad thing necessarily. It can be bad, but you also, you manipulate dough to make bread. You know, that's what kneading that dough does. It, manipulates it so that it becomes the best loaf of bread ever. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you are building that connection, it's about allowing a person that you're connecting with to fully step into themselves and see not only you in a different light, but also themselves in a different light. It's it's about giving grace to people. And that that drops so many of those those barriers that I was talking about, not just for yourself, but also for them. And that that's how you make that connection. It's by dropping those barriers. So let's just uh, kind of manipulation is uh, I think you're you're right. I think it's um, that's a loaded term, um, but Mm -hmm. we're all doing. Influencing, which is the term yes. used originally, and influencing may be a bit uh, more uh, easy for people to digest. But mm-hmm. manipulation or influence, whatever you want to say, is for, for self gain versus greater good would be one way of framing that. Are you trying to yes. get what you want just because you want more of whatever? Um, we kind of see what happens when that's the case, um, mm-hmm. and versus that there's some greater good you're pushing for. Uh, something that's beyond yourself. That was, uh, I think that's mm-hmm. a very clear piece of your idea of thriving is that you can be about something bigger than what happened to me or, you know, what am oh, I getting gosh, out yes. of this? Absolutely. Yes. It, it, none of this is really just about me or just about you. It's about an us because, it, you know, it, whether we are an introvert or an extrovert, we're still part of the human community. And we we have a dependence on each other, whether we like to say that we do or not. Mm-hmm. It drives me crazy when people say, I'm a self-made millionaire or I'm a self-made billionaire. Um, no, you're not. By the way, let's go back all the way to the egg and the sperm that formed you in the first place, because there was that. You know, so whether you have a great relationship with your parents or not, you you have to give credence to the fact that you're on this earth mm-hmm. because of them. 
you know, and there have been a whole host of people who have gotten you to this point, you know, your kindergartner teacher and every teacher you had throughout school and, you know, whether you went to college or not. And, it, you know, the mechanic who works on your car and <laughs> the people who have designed all of the apps that you use every day, no one is self-made. This is uh, one of the spiritual truths I think that cuts across every spiritual tra tradition is that we are all connected and we're all connected mm -hmm. to something bigger than ourselves. And that's what you're pointing to. I, I had that same conversation with a, a guy who was in my office. Clearly, if he's in my office, it's because he's struggling with something. And he was uh, trying to explain to me how he was you know, a self-made man. His business was something that he built on his own. I happen to know differently. And I said, where did you buy that business from? And he said, oh, that was my father. And I said, okay, where did he get it from? Oh, his father started it. And I said, uh, so self-made already, you've got an issue. And he said, well, <laughs> but I bought it. And I said, how did you buy it? And he said, with the profits that we were bringing in. And I said, you know, very few people have that option. So mm -hmm. already you've got that mistake. And, and he said, okay, but say I did, say I, you know, kind of create it from scratch, what would you say then? And my response was, you still had customers. I mean, somebody exactly. had to. There's always <laughs> a connection with the outside world that we sometimes miss. And so your piece of this connection is bringing that back to reality that we're not an island. None of us are an island. None of us uh, spontaneously created ourselves or the world around mm -hmm. us. And uh, so all of that connection plays into something bigger than ourselves. Absolutely. D yes. Most definitely. Uh, so number two, uh, embracing perfect uh, imperfection is very interesting in our social media world. Uh, the Instagram moments we see from everybody else is what we <laughs> compare to, you know, those places where we realize. I don't know if you've seen the stories that I have about the people who have put their life out there on Instagram, creating all of those scenes only to finally have a breakdown when they can't keep it going. That there's something that is true yeah. for all of us. You know, we can't keep the facade up. So what happens when that facade collapses? Oh, gosh. Have you seen the the documentary uh, Fire Festival? Yes. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> yes. That, that is a great example of what happens when it all... It's all image. It, yeah. I, I mean, that is a very current example of just how extreme it is the the images that people put out on social media because that whole thing was a complete house of cards i mean it smoke you and know. mirrors yeah oh gosh yes so let's take that one step further because that is a perfect example of having somebody trying to create a perfect image which they could do through manipulating media and other people and all of that was about self-gain. Mm -hmm. What can I get out of this? Ego-wise, money-wise, all of those pieces. Um, and this was for somebody who had already done that multiple times. Yes. <laughs> and is still doing it, evidently. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we don't learn our lessons when life hits us, which is, I guess, one of the other things. We talked about getting unstuck. You know, one of my observations is that life keeps giving us opportunities to learn the lesson. And it's a question of when we do. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's going to keep giving us those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I always say God will whisper to you 
And if he whispers enough and gets louder and louder, he won't hesitate to use that two by four to the back of the head if he has to. Yeah. yeah. The slaps get a little harder. And so embracing this uh, perfect imperfection is really about accepting the fact that um, none of us are perfect. And as a person who's doing that, I'm not perfect. And that's okay. Most definitely. Most definitely. You know, even, you know, when you look at models in magazines and that sort of thing, they don't even look like their pictures. And some of them are now you know, coming out and, and showing untouched pictures of themselves Mm -hmm. because they're like, I can't live like this regularly. And it's crazy how much a photograph can be manipulated. Long legs can be elongated and, you know, shapes can be changed and skin color changed and hair changed. And, you know, at what point is it, real and at what point is it make-believe mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've had conversations with several people in the kind of the modeling industry who all said you know the only way to do this healthily is to recognize that that's not me what what that picture is is not me and i've got to be aware of who i am mm-hmm. uh, and who that person is which is about coming back to that imperfection um, which is tough for all of us given the fact that we're in an image-based world Mm-hmm. So how do you get to that place of vulnerability, of willingness to share it? Well, first of all, you have to step into a level of acceptance. Um, anytime you've been through a major transition in life, you know, there's there's the denial stage. There's, you know, the five stages of it's called the five stages of grief, as you know, but I I call it the five stages of life because we all go through them. It's not just about necessarily a grieving process, although that's technically what we do when we go through a major transition because it, it's you, you go through all of these stages and not necessarily in order. They can circle around, but at some point you get to a level of acceptance and once you really get to that level of acceptance, then you then you can shed some of those layers and open up and become more vulnerable and say, okay, this this has really happened. These things really happened in my life. And yet I'm still here. I, I'm still breathing. As long as you have breath coming in you, you have survived and have the opportunity to thrive. Hmm. You don't have to live in whatever it is that has happened, quote unquote, to you. Um, One of the going through, you know, Tony Robbins things, one of my favorite lines that he shares is, what if you took it and switched one little word in that phrase? Rather than life happening to you, it's happening for you. And if you can take that one little adjustment Gosh, what a different perspective that is. Mm. Now, to just circle back for a second, that process, that five stages of grief, of loss, of uh, whatever you want to name it, um, not everybody gets to acceptance. No, they do not. It is possible to be stuck in that place. And uh, and that's your your thing about Tony Robbins is what happens when you get to the place where um, it's about 
uh, more of a blame piece, you know, and that mm-hmm. happens in the denial stage. It happens in the blame stage, the anger stage, um, you know, the, the uh, blame stage is not it, but one of the anger stages. Um, also, when you're uh, trying to uh, find another way around that, you know, when you're bargaining, mm-hmm. um, all of mm-hmm. those pieces are not yet getting to that. Okay, this is what it is. And how do I now move through this process? Um, acceptance is turning it to, okay, so what are the lessons here and, mm-hmm. uh, how do I then move through, which is where I loved, uh, in resurrection, you talked about learning the points, uh, or learning the lessons along the way, along mm-hmm. the story. Uh, so let's, let's explore that a little bit. Let's say that something, let's go back to your story. Mm-hmm. Um, what lessons do you learn in an, in a, uh, dysfunctional, even abusive family system. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you, Lee, for the longest time, I kept all of that hidden. I mean, I kept it hidden from everybody, including my, my spouse, I mean, not hidden from him because obviously he, he knew, but as far as talking about it or, you know, really sharing what that was like, um, I never did it because it was difficult for me to talk about and it's difficult for the other person to listen to. And when you're at that difficult point, you're thinking about yourself rather than the other person. And you're also what I call dumping, you know, just spewing out whatever it is that's, that's happened to you. You've not yet moved into that. What's happened for you point. And, you know, so, excuse me, when, when you get to a point where you can look back and say, you know, yes, I went through this horribly dysfunctional childhood with the abuse and, you know, the loss of my mom and, and all of these different things. However, I am who I am today as a result of all of those things. You know, it, it's about becoming who you are. You have it that I mean, that's your superpower. That's that's your underlying superpower. All of the things that you have been through have gotten you to where you are today. And it's just like I said you know a minute ago, if you if you are still breathing, then you still have the opportunity to embrace all of those things that you have gone through and be able to use that to reach back that service part that we were talking about, you know, to, to reach back and help others and, and further develop that community around you. It's like a a beehive, a beehive works because they're all working together. You know, no one bee makes or breaks the beehive. It's all of them working together. And that's really what, you know, this this human community is about. Um, No one person is going to completely destroy it and no one person is going to save it either. However, if we're all working together to to make that life better, then, gosh, there's so much that can be accomplished and improved. And part of that process is based on being able to to say, okay, where do I want to be of greater good? Making the connections around that, but clearly aware that 
you have imperfections. Others have imperfections. Um, mm-hmm. I think those are always the roots of empathy. Um, yes. I love empathy and vulnerability, how they go together. Um, mm-hmm. Because vulnerability of self allows you to be uh, empathetic with the other person's place, even if they're not ready to be vulnerable, that you know that there's stuff in there. And then resurrecting the old stuff that's so painful and bringing it back up. Um, all of that based in um, influencing for not for self-gain, for, but for the greater good. And I love that shift to something happening for you. Versus mm-hmm. seeing it as to you, which is victimizing. Whenever we yes. we see it as to, um, we're uh, we're the target. If it's for, mm-hmm. it's a wider range piece, and and we can find our our powers there. So you've created a quiz to help people kind of put this in a framework. Can you talk a little bit about the quiz and where people can find that? Yeah, the quiz really helps you see where you stand in several different areas in life. Um, and, you know, it, it allows you to measure yourself and then determine what are the areas that I really want to work more in. And it, you know, you, it's a scale one to 10, right? And there's all, I, it drives me crazy when somebody puts a 10 because I'm, I'm always like, is there no room for growth? <laughs> You know, really, you're you're at a ten. There's there's nowhere else you can go. Doesn't matter how much work you've already done up to this point. There's nothing else you can do. Um, so that it, you know, the quiz will help you measure each of those different areas, and they can get to the quiz by going to uh, warriorwisdomquiz.com. Super warriorwisdomquiz.com. And just you just got a hint there. If you get on that quiz page and you're saying, oh, 10, just step back for a minute and ask the question, is there nowhere to improve? And if you're at a one to really look at that. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, so this isn't just to to do a quiz. Uh, this is to figure out where you can improve. And if part of that improvement is some coaching, um, then Angela is also a- available for that. But the starting point for that, just to kind of get an assessment, is warriorwisdomquiz.com. Yep, absolutely. Angela, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing and uh, for the vulnerability of sharing those stories from your own story of really thank you. Uh, kind of demonstrating what we've talked about. Thank you, Lee. I've, I've appreciated being here. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for being here. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.